Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Rob Schallenberger. You're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. In each episode, you'll learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals. Rob is a best-selling author, former F-16 fighter pilot, Air Force One advance agent, world-renowned keynote speaker and corporate trainer who's trained Fortune 500 companies around the world, executive coach, father of four, and the CEO of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Now, here is Rob Schallenberger. All right, welcome to our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you might be in the world. We're grateful you joined us today and hope you have a fabulous day wherever you find yourselves. Hey, well, we have a fun and special guest on today, and I can guarantee that he's going to share some things with us that most of us probably have not heard at any point in our life. Uh, so we're pretty excited to have him on our show today. And not only is he a cool guy, but he's a close personal friend. So I'd like to introduce Jason Hansen. Uh, Jason, thanks for being on the show with us today. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, this is going to be fun, and, and I'm excited for those who are listening to get what you're going to share with them. That doesn't hopefully set the bar too high. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But before I uh, hand it over to Jason, let me introduce him. He has an amazing background. He's a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author of Spy Secrets That Can Save Your Life. So if you don't have that book or if you haven't read that book, uh, this isn't just a good feel good book. I mean, these are useful tips that can literally save your life. So I encourage you to go to Amazon and, and look that up. It's called uh, Spy Secrets That Can Save Your Life. And on that note, he started his own company called Spy Escape and Evasion and has just been having a phenomenal experience building that around the country. Uh, you might know him from Shark Tank. He's been on the Today Show, and I actually went down to his ranch and was on the show with him as we were getting chased down by a helicopter, <laughs> uh, which is fun. And he's been on quite a few other shows. And, you know, as I would guess that he would say, one of his uh, greatest achievements is that he's been married to a wonderful uh, lady who we happen to know quite well. And they just had their third child who's two months old. So, Jason, we're so grateful you're on the show with us today. Hey, me too. And as you, I love how you just talked about family since it's the most important thing in the world. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, I gave, you know, a very brief intro, but why don't you give our listeners a more in-depth look at you? What's your background? Where'd you come from? So that they can get to know you a little bit better before we start to share with them some of the things that you've been doing. So I was born and raised in the state of Virginia. Uh, just a few miles outside of the Washington, D.C. area. I uh, had a wonderful childhood, great parents, so uh, everything was traditional in the ways that I think. And I went to college in actually Southern Virginia at a place called Radford University. After that, uh, like many people, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I certainly did not want to spend 40 years pushing papers behind some desks. <laughs> and being right outside of the D.C. area, you know there's every government agency in the world, so I applied to a bunch of them. And my first job out of college was with a local police department. And very soon after, I got a job offer from the CIA and the Secret Service. Talked to many people and figured that the CIA would be more exciting. So I went with the agency. And I spent about seven years there. I left in 2010. It was a wonderful place to work, and they treat you like gold. But I had that entrepreneurial bug that I couldn't shake. And so now I run the spy business based on my CIA stuff. So it's been a very fun ride and incredible blessing. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so, you know, you got to know Jason. He fits the, if you've ever seen Men in Black, that's kind of how you can picture Jason. <laughs> black suit, you know, the black uh, glasses. <laughs> 
Well, I, you, I need to get a new wardrobe. Yeah, I, I got to get more colors to my suit. <laughs> Well, Jason, tell us a little bit, you know, really now focusing on our listeners, and we have all kinds of listeners, uh, stay-at-home fathers, mothers, we have teachers, CEOs, salespeople all over the world, you know, different backgrounds, but I know that some of the things you share will apply across the board to any of them, so maybe let's just start with the family. Tell me about your family home defense plan and how you keep your family safe in the event of a home invasion. Sure, absolutely, and I think you just made a great point as You've got listeners all over the world, and I think the one thing we have in common is it doesn't matter where you live or who you are, all of us want to be safe. All of us want to make sure our family's not harmed. Um, so when it comes to home defense plans, mine is very, very simple because in a life and death situation, if somebody's kicking in your front door at 3 a.m., you don't want to overcomplicate it because you're already afraid enough. So what I personally do is I have a gun in a safe that's on a nightstand right next to my bed, um, it's in a rapid access safe, meaning with a few push of a buttons, I can open that safe in literally about three seconds. On that nightstand, I also have a flashlight and a cell phone. So if, heaven forbid, there is a home invasion and somebody's trying to, again, kick in my front door, I will bend over, uh, grab my flashlights, open the safe to the gun, go to my top of the stairs, which is a choke point. So I'm not going to try and run down there and fight the guy or do anything, but if that intruder or intruders runs up the stairs, obviously I'm going to do what I need to do to stop them. Because if they get past me, they could get to my wife and kids. And I realize that not everybody loves guns, or maybe they live in places where they can't have them, but have something, whether it's a knife or a baseball bat and a golf club, but have something that you can grab quickly, go to your choke point, which for many people is the top of the stairs. And if that person is foolish enough to come up there, you're going to have to defend them. So not something that I pray happens to any of us, but it happens all over the world every single day. Boy, and when it does happen, it happens, doesn't it? I mean, it's not like you can say, hey, uh, can you hold on a second while I get everything ready here? Well, that's exactly what it is. Is I, I tell people you know, who are anti-gun or who don't have any plans to say, the time to have your home defense plan is not when you hear somebody bashing in <laughs> your window at 3 a.m. You know, you're going to lose precious moments. You plan ahead of time hoping that it never happens, but if it does, you won't have to think, and you'll be 100% uh, prepared to deal with it. Yeah, I like what you actually said about the choke point. I hadn't thought about that part of it. So instead of going to them, waiting for them to come to that choke point where it's more advantageous for you know us rather than them. Correct, because you don't know if that guy you know has a gun or has knives or three of them. So while I am sitting at the top of the stairs, my wife is going to be calling 911, making sure our kids are okay. But yeah, I want to be at the top of the stairs looking down. You know, I'll let them know. I'll say, you know, I have a gun. Get out of my house. But if they don't listen and they're foolish enough to come up there, then I am going to shoot and do what I need to do to stop them. Hmm. You know, and if there is someone who is not a big gun fan, I have a thought for you. About two years ago, we took our family backpacking into the mountains of Wyoming outside of Jackson Hole. And I really didn't know what bear spray was until we did that. Uh, But a canister of bear spray, you know, it has written all over it, can cause blindness, you know, extreme danger. Uh, so I have, in addition to a gun sitting next to my bed, I have a canister of bear spray right underneath my mattress, tucked in between the two mattresses, uh, and I could get to that in about one second, and I think that would probably stop them just about instantaneously in their tracks and uh, bring them to their knees. Uh, so maybe just another thought there. I don't know if you've had that one before. Or, you know, oh, what? yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a great thought. Like you said, if people don't want to have guns or even knives, is yeah, bear spray, wasp spray, I'd go with bear spray, as you mentioned, is is a great deterrent. and 
the funny thing is, in my business, you know, I hear about these home invasions all the time. And actually, just this week, I got one of the saddest emails I've ever gotten, and it was from a gentleman who said, hey, when I was 12 years old, I came home and I found my mom murdered in the house oh, um, of a home invasion gone wrong. And it was one of those emails where your jaw's dropping while I'm reading it. So believe me, I realize that it's very small and very few people ever have to deal with that. But if it happens to you, well, then you want to know how to handle it. Well, yeah. And you know what? You're absolutely right. One of our coaching clients, I'll just say he's well-to-do. I don't want to give any allusion to who he is. Uh, but we are down in Las Vegas, very successful businessman. And there's a couple of different approaches. Like, you know, there's the random incident where maybe they just chose your house. But then there's also the targeted attack or the targeted home correct. invasion. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but he said twice people broke into his home. They watched the cameras on the first one because, thank heavens, they weren't there. And they came into the home with their guns drawn, facing forward, and he didn't know if he was going to be kidnapped or what their intent was. Uh, but they came down again, and he, you know, after that first one, they installed this big home alarm system. He came running down the stairs in his underwear with a shotgun as they were trying to break in the door and they ran off again. And since then he's dumped some additional things, but here was a family that had never really thought about it before. And all of a sudden they're looking at their cameras after they came home and here's some guys walking through their house with guns drawn. And I just, you know, what a sobering experience to see that and realize that it, it can happen to anyone. Well, and what you said is I deal with a lot of high net worth client executives as do you. So these executives, they are targets. People are jealous of their success. They think they have all this money. So I had one actually where somebody at the DMV was giving away uh, information legally of people who had high-end cars, and this guy drives a very expensive Porsche. Huh. And so they followed him home, You know, went to his address, saw he was home, everything, did a home invasion. He got in a shootout with the intruders. Thankfully, he didn't get shot. Um, he didn't hit them, and they uh, fled out the door. But it was one of those things where he, you know, ended up installing perimeter alarms and doing all this and that. And at first he was like, you know, nobody's going to do anything to me. But shoot, if you're driving a very fancy car or, you know, have a big ring on your finger, it makes you a target for these criminals. Boy, that's a great point. And so, you know, one of the takeaways I hope all of our listeners get, including me, I guarantee I'm going to go home with my family this week, Jason. And we're going to review our plan together and see what changes and adjustments we can make. But I hope all our listeners do something about this. You know, take action. First of all, get your book to get additional ideas. Uh, but second, figure out what you can do to protect your home and your family because really, no matter where you live, there is a possibility of something happening. And when the time to perform arrives, the time to prepare is past. Uh, so great thoughts, Jason. Let me shift to a different question here, maybe a different angle. You know, you started this business just a few years ago. You were on Shark Tank. Uh, it's just skyrocketed since then. You're having phenomenal success. So this is maybe a question that goes a little bit of a different direction. What do you consider to be the most important thing you do that keeps your energy high so that you can run your business? You know, you're teaching these training courses, uh, but yet you have time to spend with your wife and three kids. What do you do to keep your energy up that could apply to our listeners if they're in a similar situation? Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and again, I know you've got so many successful listeners out there who are very, very busy, need to get a lot of things done today. Um, what I do is kind of my morning routine. And I get up at 5 a.m. every day. I have my first hour where I'm doing the most important thing of the day, which I know many people do, and they call it their power hour. And then from 6 to 7, I work out, and I work out hard. So when I was with the agency, you know, when you're going through the farm and all that, I was in the best shape of my life. You know, I, was, I could do anything. But, of course, when I left the government in 2010, you know, like all human beings, I got lazy. I didn't start working out as much. I was running, but I wasn't in that great shape. 
So not too long ago, several months ago, I said, I, actually, the way it really happened is I kept getting on the scale and, you know, you know, I was gaining weight and choking with my wife. And I'd say <laughs> things like, you know, I was in the best shape of my life when I was at the agency. <laughs> and it was, became the running joke of every time I stepped on the scale, I'd say that. So finally she said, you know, why don't you go back to like working out what you were doing? <laughs> and so I did that. And so I am, you know, it's body weight exercises. You know, I'm working hard. I'm doing some self-defense stuff in the morning. So, you know, a lot of people don't like exercising, and I don't think I actually like it either, but I love how it makes me feel. I love the energy it gives me. So I'm really, I'm doing a lot of uh, workouts, and that, that's kind of the thing that gives me the energy these days is really hitting it hard from 6 to 7 every morning. Isn't it amazing? And Jason and I know each other now uh, from quite a while back, and we've had the chance to talk a fair amount. You know, Jason has done some of the things that we see over and over in some of the most highly successful leaders. One is uh, he doesn't sleep in. <laughs> he gets up in the morning and uses that time for something productive. And generally, from what I just heard you say, Jason, these are things about, as Stephen Covey would say, sharpening the saw, things that are taking care of yourself first before you go out and work on the business or even your family in that case. Uh, I mean, you're talking about working yeah. out. And consistently, we see people that put in the effort to take care of themselves physically generally feel better emotionally. And I think I heard you talking sure, about – oh, go ahead, Jason. Yeah. No, no, please. No, no, I, I don't want to cut you off. Keep going. So, yeah, you take care of yourself physically, and that translates into how you feel emotionally oftentimes. And then what you also mentioned, and I don't think you just said it now, but you said it in a previous conversation, and that is that you keep a detailed journal. You write and, and capture your thoughts on paper. And you'll get up in the morning, and you'll just capture and write these thoughts and how you're going to implement them and do them. And – and what that does for both our physical, mental, and emotional state to start a day like that. Uh, so I'm really glad you highlighted that. I'm very old school. So I know everybody's got their smartphones and, you know, iPads and this and that. But I literally have my yellow legal pad. And that's where I'm keeping track of everything. That's where I'm writing down these thoughts. That's what I'm doing every morning to make sure I'm organized. So, yeah, I mean, as you know, you've got to start your day right. And I... Again, I, you know, something I knew, again, from the agency when I was in the best shape of my life is that what point is it being a successful businessman with a gazillion dollars if you're not in good health? So oh, yeah. that's why I'm, you know, I'm so into working out these days. Yeah, well, I love it. And, you know, we call that a thoughts journal. And over and over, we've seen that as one of the greatest predictors of success. If someone consistently writes down their thoughts in a thoughts book or a journal of some sort. Uh, so I'm glad you shared that. All right, let's go, you know, let's tap into your expertise uh, so for many of our listeners, what are some other tips that you could give them as far as uh, protection, self-defense? I mean, you often, and we haven't even talked about your your course that you do down at the ranch in Cedar City, but you have multiple day courses where you teach people how to survive. Anything from, you know, things they can do while they're driving, if they're overseas, how do they protect themselves from getting boxed in, how to escape from a trunk, from handcuffs, you know, just about everything really. So amongst all of that stuff, what would you consider to be some of the most important tips for our listeners, the three, the four, the five tips that could really have an impact on them in their lives as far as their personal safety? Sure, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, over the phone, it's hard to show how to escape duct tape or how to pick a lock <laughs> or how to escape handcuffs. But I can tell you the foundation of it all is what I call survival intelligence. A lot of people call situational awareness. And I know we've talked about this in the past. But most crimes are crimes of opportunity. So most crimes are that drug dealer or that drug addict looking for his next fix. He's at the local mall waiting for somebody to walk out who looks like a good victim. He follows to the car, and then he robs him. 
So everybody, almost everybody, has their head buried in their cell phones, their iPads, has zero situational awareness. Yeah. So if you're just keeping your head up, especially successful people like you and your listeners, because you're more likely to be targets. So when you're walking around, you know, having your head up, staring ahead of you, not burying your head in some device. So that's, you know, again, the number one thing we do. And we just uh, did a two-week personal security and intelligence operator, excuse me, operative course here in Cedar City, Utah, where I live. And we spent so much time on that. So spent so much time on surveillance detection, seeing if you can detect if you're being followed. And obviously you have to train in it, but it, again, anybody can just keep their head up. So that's probably the number one thing is just have better situational awareness, be aware of your surroundings. Um, another tip, and this is something that unfortunately is more um, prevalent these days, is the active shooter situations. Hmm. So the guy running into the school with a gun and shooting people up, or the guy running into the mall and shooting people up. And tips for this is there's two different ways you go. Is Obviously, if you're at the other end of the mall, some guy runs in with an AK-47 and starts shooting, you flee that other end of the mall and get you and yourself to safety. But... What people do wrong is let's say you're in a uh, store in the mall. Some guy runs in. There's nowhere to go. Don't, you know, run and turn your back or don't flee if you're two feet away from or 10 feet because then you're going to get shot in the back. Because people, and I say people, um, you know, I'm an American. We're in America. People's Americans need to be more aggressive. You need to charge that guy and stop him. So the Israelis use what is called a swarm method. And Israel, you know, is surrounded by people who don't like them and try to blow them up. So they're very well trained. So that's how we need to be trained. Because, again, if you run into a classroom, everybody fans out running away from you. That gives the horrible active shooter more chances to shoot people in the back. Hmm. But if that guy runs into a classroom and you rush him and take him down, then lives will be saved. So that's a big, big thing there is we need to become more aggressive against these terrorists and, and go after them and take them down. Uh let me go back to your situational awareness just for a second. I have a friend. Her name is Lisa. She lives in North Carolina. And I just saw a Facebook post from her the other day. They've taken all kinds of concealed carry classes. Uh, they've been to all kinds of self-defense courses. And, you know, they are fully in on this. So she pulled up to a gas station the other day. She looked around. Uh, she looked at the cars. She looked at the colors of the cars, who was in the cars. She did all of this before she got out to pump gas in her car. Well, sitting at the other pump was a police officer, and when she got out of the car, he asked her, he said, hey, are you married? She said, well, yeah, why do you, you, know, why do you care? He said, have you ever taken a self-defense course? She said, well, yeah, I have, and he said, I could tell as soon as you pulled up, because you were looking around at the cars, I could tell you were looking in them, you were totally aware of your surroundings before you got out of the car, and he just said, I just want to thank you, ma'am, I wish there were more yous around, and it would make our job a lot easier. And what a great compliment to her. I mean, for doing exactly what she would have been or should have been. Um, I, I, I got an email the other day, and the headline of the email was 45 minutes ago, you saved my life. So obviously I opened that email. And it's a similar story. One of my clients, he was at a gas station, and he said, I pulled up, you know, fill my gas, and this guy pulls up behind me. And he says, I see the guy crying, and then I see him laughing and crying, and clearly it looks like to me like he's high on drugs. Hmm. So I'm watching him, and he says he gets out of his car and tries to go pick a fight with somebody and start shoving him. So I can see that this is going down a hill, so I start dialing 911. Well, then he gets back in his car, and he rams my client and gets out of his car, goes up to him. And you know I'm a huge fan of the tactical pen, and I carry one everywhere. Well, this guy had a tactical pen, which is just a regular pen, writing pen, with a very sharp point and made of tougher metal. 
So he says, this guy's charging him. He told him to get back, and he says he jabbed him in the chest with his tactical pen. He, his exact words were, he recoiled like a snake and left me alone. The police arrived, and everything was fine. But, you know, good for that guy, just like the example of your woman, for paying attention to what's going on around him. Yeah, you know, you wonder how many of these situations could be avoided out in the public just by having situational awareness and conveying confidence. Uh, well, that, that's oh. what it is. I mean, there was a long ago, um, some police officers went to a prison and they started handing out uh, photographs saying, you know, would you attack this woman? Would you rob this man? And it really didn't matter, if, you know, the sex of the person, if it was male or female or big or tall or any of that. But what mattered is, was the person walking with confidence? So even if it was a four-foot-tall woman and she was walking with her head up, hmm. you know, shoulders straight, they said, no, I'm going to leave that woman alone. But if somebody had slouched shoulders looking down, no matter who they were, they said, yeah, we'd be more likely to attack that person, which goes with the confidence. So, you know, for me, one of the takeaways from this is when I'm walking around a parking lot, when I pull up anywhere to any parking lot, when I'm outside, when I'm in the mall, is to get out of the cell phone. You know, put the cell phone away. Like you said, keep the head up looking around, eyes out, and there's no doubt, we've all been there. Almost every listener, I guarantee, has ran into someone who caught their attention. Uh, mm -hmm. And with my wife, you know, we've talked about this. I make eye contact with them. I look at them. You know, you watch them. Uh, and in the F-16 world, situational awareness, we use that term all the time, essay. You know, what's happening in front of us, behind us, we call it near rocks, far rocks, uh, check six. So we're looking right in front of us, farther in front of us, and then right, left, and then who's behind us. Just constantly being aware. So I love that you brought that up, Jason, because how many situations could be avoided simply by paying attention to what's around us? Can you do, uh, can you do me a favor? There's a couple other things you've shared tips with me about that just are totally random. That's one of the things I love about you know, attending your courses and all that you offer is it's not just with guns and other things. It's just random things that can help you stay alive. So for example, uh, driving, where do you hold your hands on the steering wheel when you drive and on an airline, what are some tips that can help people if there was a crash to, you know, hopefully be in a better position to survive? Uh, you mentioned leaving sure. the shoes on for takeoff and that kind of stuff. So maybe just touch on those if you could. So as far as driving, when you're holding the steering wheel, you want to hold it nine and three. And the reason for that is if somebody tries to do a roadblock or it, maybe it's a little kid who's chasing his ball in the street, hands at nine and three give you the most maneuverability to swerve around that. But the other key component of that is having your seat adjusted properly. So when people get in their car today, put your hand on top of your steering wheel. So just put your arm straight out. And the top of the steering wheel should fall right in the crook of your wrist. And that means that you're properly the uh, proper distance from the steering wheel. So when you hold nine at three, that you have bending your arms, allowing you to move that wheel to rest, uh, left to right. So if somebody gets in their car today and, they put their hands straight out and their fingertips barely touch the steering wheel, go closer until it's in the crook of the wrist. And obviously, if you touch the steering wheel and it's at your forearms, you need to move a little bit back. Uh, so that'll allow you to maneuver your car, get you out of dangerous situations. Um, as far as flying, I fly all the time, and I know you do too, going around giving classes and seminars, is the airline industry has something called plus three minus eight. And what that means is the first three minutes of a flight are the most dangerous, meaning when you're taking off, that's when there's most likely to be some kind of mechanical error and a crash. The eight part means the last eight minutes of a flight when you're landing are the most dangerous and when the plane is most likely to have some issues. So for plus three minus eight, 
you just want to make sure you're awake and alert during that time. So don't put your headphones in. Don't take off your shoes. Don't go to sleep those first three minutes and last eight minutes. And then, of course, in between your flight, you know, go to sleep, relax, which is what I do. Uh, because what they found, uh, interestingly enough, the FFA, or excuse me, FAA on all the studies is that 95% of people survive airplane crashes. The reason that they die is they die after the crash of smoke inhalation and the fire because you only have 90 seconds to evacuate an airplane. So that's why you want to have your shoes on during those danger times. That's why you want to make sure you're alert because 90 seconds goes quick. Um, one other important factor about flying is everybody used to think there was some magic seat on an airplane. So if you sat in 13D, that was safe, and if you got in a crash, you'd be fine, or if you were in 24F. But the only thing they found is that if you sit within five rows of an exit, that significantly increases your likelihood of survival. Hmm. So we are blessed to live in a day and age when we can get online, we can pick our seats on the Internet. So make sure you're within five rows of the exit. That way, that 90 seconds, you're closer to the exit. You do not want to be in that no-man's land on a plane where you're very far away from an exit. That makes me want to check my seats for my flight tomorrow. <laughs> uh, that, well, and the other thing with the shoes on, I see this all the time. I'll get on the plane, and I remember you telling this to me, so now I've been doing it ever since. But I'll see people kick their shoes off. You know, They put the blanket around them, and they tuck in before we've even taken off. And I thought the same thing. What if we got into an accident? I mean, having flown F-16s and T-38s for 11 years, absolutely. Takeoff and landing are by far the most critical phase of flight. And if something was to happen and we don't have shoes on, you know, there's going to be twisted metal. There's going to be other things out there that we're going to have to climb over and around. And, you know, that's just a great reminder that a lot of people haven't thought about. So I'm glad you shared that. And I thought that would be valuable for our listeners. Well, as we get, as we get ready to wrap up here in the next few minutes, any final thoughts about success in general or anything else applicable to our listeners or any other thoughts that you want to share, Jason? You know, I have been fortunate to have clients who are billionaires, you know, millionaires, just some of the most successful in the people in the world as you have. And in my younger years, like many people, I was like, okay, you know, when I'm, I'm doing work with this billionaire, I have lunch with this billionaire, I'm going to get that magic kill. You know, I'm going to hear that secret of what makes them. <laughs> and as I have slowly but surely wised up, you realize it is just incredibly hard work yep. getting up early and, you know, just doing it day in and day out, kind of like a machine. So that's, you know, for the, for the younger people who are listening is there is no shortcuts. There is, you know, nobody I've talked to who has been very successful has not, you know, put in all the blood, sweat, and tears to make it happen. So don't give up for those people who are still looking for that success or trying to hit that next ladder is there's that force in the world, whatever you want to call it, if you want to call it God or, you know, people want to choose other words, is there's that force in the world that wants to put you for that, through that refiner's fire and make you prove that you really want it before that success comes. That's interesting you'd say that. That same coaching client of ours that I shared the story with earlier that had the break-in, he told me, he said, you know what, it's interesting. I'll have people come up to me all the time and say, hey, you know, I know you've made millions of dollars. Can I go to lunch with you or whatever? I just want to learn your secret of success. And he said, would you be really willing to put in the same amount of work that I have since I was age four? Would you really be willing to do the same things that I'm doing? And it's just what you said, getting up early, trudging it out, working hard, getting knocked over all kinds of times, and then getting back up. He said, are you really willing to do all that? If so, great. You know, If not, then let's not waste each other's time. And he said, most people would certainly not be willing to put in that effort. Uh, because like you said, 
you know, one of the secrets is simply hard work. Now there are other things people can do to help so they don't have to work, you know, they can be more effective in what they're doing, but there's no shortcut to hard work, right? No, no, there's not. And again, I'm, I'm glad I know that before it's too late, but as a you know, very young, early 20 year old, you know, meeting people and as I said, talking to them and this and that, you quickly realize that is it. And as you said, most people aren't willing to do it. It's funny. I, I have never worried about competition or, you know, about, oh, you know, I'm not going to make it because I know very few people can outwork me. So since I have that, I don't ever have to worry about, you know, going homeless or not having money or anything because I'm willing to do all that hard work and whatever it takes. Hmm. Well, Jason, we're getting ready to wrap up. It's been fabulous. I mean, I think our listeners uh, have probably gotten a lot of different advice that they can use in their lives uh, starting right now today. I'm confident there are some out there that are, would like to learn more. You know, how can they attend one of your camps that you host or if you come to them or, or whatever? Do you mind just sharing your website or how they could get a hold of you and anything else you want to share with them? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we do all kinds of escape and evasion, evasive driving, personal security and intelligence operative courses. So that's thing to do is just go to our website, spyescape.com, and that gives them all the information about how to contact me, and we can do private classes and corporations and whatever people need. Awesome. Well, Jason, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Great advice. You're a wonderful friend. appreciate your friendship, and I invite everyone to look him up. At a minimum, if you don't attend a course or anything else, you know, at least go get the book. That's, that's something we can all do right now. Just search for Jason Hansen and, and it'll come up. And I encourage everyone to do that today. So, hey, all of our listeners, thanks so much for making time to be on our podcast today. We appreciate you. You're the ones that make this happen. And let's go out and bless the world, starting with our families. Remember, one person can make a difference. So thank you, Jason. And to all our listeners, let's have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. We want to know what your big takeaways were, so head on over to becomingyourbest.com and you can find all the information about the podcast right there as well as the show notes page where we'd love to hear what you thought about each and every single episode. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating and review. A rating interview is by far the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because it helps other people find out about the show and decide if this is the podcast for them. So now it's all in your hands. It's time for you to go out there to take action and truly start becoming your best.